Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I am joined today by Dave Clark and our good friend Kyle Garcia of Stumptown Footy, we are going to talk Sounders Timbers, get a bit of a sense of this upcoming game that is not officially a Cascadia Cup match, I will note, but it is a Cascadia rivalry, I guess. So um, anyway, Kyle, welcome to uh, the show and thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for ha- or having me. I'm happy to, uh, happy to talk Timbers and Sounders any day. So. Yeah, so uh, this is... Uh, this is this is going to be a fun one, I think. Tell, let's start here. This, the Timbers are coming off a Champions League game against Club America. They're flying from Mexico back to Portland. I imagine they are there now. But uh, how how heavy of a rotation should we expect? I mean, I know last week against FC Dallas, they played what I, I think you referred to as a C team. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of who I, I stole that from someone. I think Chris Reifer, our former, former Stumptown Footy legend, he mentioned that we had like the Timber C team because we had just a million like goalkeepers ready to go. And it was just, you know, we were punting the FC Dallas game. It became pretty clear. And I think in terms of rotation, um, I'm thinking that we might see a little bit, but the whole idea for the Timbers was that they were just trying to rotate as much as possible because they only cared really about like, all right, let's try and get through CONCACAF. We have to play Club America. We have to do all this in the midst of, you know, starting the season. Now we're playing, you know, a game every three days again. It's almost like it's 2020 all over. So the rotation just had to be heavy because they just don't have the depth. They don't have the guys still. Saba's still recovering. Bobasi got a little bit of time at the end of this past, you know, CONCACAF match, but, and he looked good. They had a, he had a good little stretch there and he helped out in the second half, but you know, he still looks like he needs to get up to kind of like that game fitness level. So I think we'll probably still see a little bit of rotation just to get some guys, but we'll see. It's not going to be like FC Dallas, I think that for sure. So you bring up Jeremy Obobese. He has not yet played a league game. I don't think, is that correct? He he showed up at the end of the FC Dallas game. Oh, he they did. Got him, he got some minutes towards the end. Um, but yeah, he hasn't like started or really appeared for like an extended amount of time outside of like, you know, a little 25 minute stretch or so. How close is he to full fitness then? Is your expectation that he could potentially even start on Sunday? I think they're taking their time with him, but he, I think he's getting closer to at least like healthy, whether he's at like match fitness level. I don't think he's there yet, but he's getting closer. They did a lot of interesting stuff with him and he looked like he like, you know, he looks like the Jabo that we know and love just, you know, just in slightly out of shape one and not from like an out of shape is like, you know, he's like, hasn't been working in the off season to get ready just in out of shape, but just like he hasn't played in a while. So 
I, I would be interested to see if he start most starts mostly because then now we have the question of like, where does he play if he starts and is Felipe Mora the nine or is Jeremy the nine and then Felipe comes off the bench or is it the other way around? So it's interesting. I bet they probably won't start him for this next like upcoming match. So we'll just give him some time to like come off the bench and just like kind of adjust, maybe try that weird diamond thing they were doing on uh, Wednesday with trying to like, just generate chances if it's needed. So we'll see. I think he'll still probably be coming off the bench, but you never know the timbers. With the, with the Bobasi, you talked a little bit about his fitness level, but that's kind of one of the main concerns just throughout Portland with the CCL, the, the high elevation, the travel, and then combined with the core of the team outside of him is rather old. Um, what The fitness concerns have to be something there. And as you mentioned, they don't really have the depth to, to significantly rotate. Is this, is this going to be a case of having to, to sit back and, and pick their moments against Seattle? Yeah, I think, I think so to an extent, just because it's, it's, it's a tough stretch. This is a tough stretch of games. It's almost nice that we don't have to think about CCL to an extent. It sucks to lose, but it's almost a, as we are like blessing in disguise. Cause now we don't have, you know, 35 year old Diego Char, Diego Valeri out there having to like do everything for us for 90 minutes in order for us to create any sort of scoring opportunities. Um, and then having to do that over the course of like four games in 12 days. So I think we saw a little bit of it last night with Valeri, his long passes and his long balls and those through balls, they just weren't clicking quite as well as they usually are, at least not in the first half. In the second half, the Timbers as a whole got a lot better offensively, but I think we kind of can see that. And then the midfield in general, just on connecting on passes has been like a little up and down this year. They have moments where they're just working so well up in the midfield and just connecting and getting up and down the field with ease. And then they also have these moments where they're just, it's just like they're running these crazy through balls that it's like, okay, that's not going to work in a million years. I don't know why he's just tried to do that. So I think with this fitness, this, where their fitness level is at on Sunday um, is going to be something to monitor. I would be shocked if like Diego Valeri plays like a full 90 minutes or something like that. I Diego Chara will play 90 minutes forever and ever for the rest of his life until his someone cuts his legs off or something, or he just gives out. So I'm not worried about him, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see with uh, what happens in terms of their fitness and how it's affected at the end of the stretch. So you mentioned the, uh, you know, somewhat the battle between Felipe Mora and Jeremy Obobese. I don't know if you would call it a battle or not, but maybe it is. Uh, Mora has gotten off to a bit of a slow start. He hasn't, I don't think he has a goal in, he didn't have a goal in, in league play yet. I'm not sure if he scored in, in, in champions league before that, uh, before the series that is, uh, how big are the concerns around him? And, and is that just a matter of, he just needs to, you know, he's off to a slow start and it's not that big of a deal. I think he's kind of just off to a slow start. I don't think it's a huge deal. He kind of, I think a lot of the Timbers attacking players that they have do this and they did this last year where like, you know, Jimmy Chara did this where he would, you know, disappear for like many matches. And then he shows up and scores back-to-back races all of a sudden and gets like three assists or just like does something crazy like that. Mora kind of would do that too, where he disappears. And then all of a sudden he gets a brace in a random memo in a random like midweek game. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Maybe Felipe Mora's back, but you met, you mentioned kind of a battle again, that I had brought up earlier between at the nine spot for that you know, that starting spot between Mora and Abobasi. And I think 
personally, how I feel about it is that Mora would be a perfect, like, off-the-bench option. Like, I think he's great depth. And he's someone that would be super valuable to, like, you know, in a game coming off a long stretch or multiple games in a week, you bring him off in the 60th minute and all of a sudden you can run, like, this diamond with, you know, Ibobasi and Mora and create all these attacking chances and whatnot. And it can be pretty fruitful. But in the end, it seems a lot of times it's like Mora is somewhat reliant on someone getting him the ball. And so there are limitations there with like, if, you know, the long balls from Valeri aren't working, then Mora's kind of just like there, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. So it's somewhat of a slow start. I'm not too concerned about it because I think this is just a weird start to the year with, you know, obviously with Saba out, that's already a problem with Jabo out. That was just a whole nother thing that they had to worry about and just added to the stress. So I think that, I, I would trust in Felipe Mora figuring it out sooner rather than later. We focused a lot on the attack, but uh, in, in defense, uh, the Timbers basically reinvented their fullbacks um, over the offseason. Uh, w- just introduce us to the why those changes happened and, and who are now the, the starters after I think both L.A. teams wound up getting a, a, a Timber. Yep, LAFC got Marco Farfan from us, and then the Galaxy got uh, Jorge Viafania. And then taking their spots have been Jose Carlos Van Rankin from, uh, he played in Liga MX last year and has spent most of his professional career in there. And then Claudio Bravo from Banfield in Argentina. And um, they've had kind of mixed results to start so far. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Van Rankin. I think he saw he had the first assist for the Timbers in 2021, and he just kind of like has no regard for what a heat back for an, or a heat map for like a normal fullback looks like, and it's just all over the place, kind of doing whatever. And I kind of like it. It works for a Geo Savarisi offense that like you know wants the fullbacks coming up and attacking. Bravo's had a little bit of a tougher um, start to the year, I'd say. He had some mind-boggling penalties in this um, Club America series, um, some mind-boggling fouls that resulted in penalty kicks and which eventually resulted in goals for Club America, which obviously came back to her Portland as they are now ousted from the tournament. So I think so far it's, I think it's been a bit of an adjustment for Bravo, but I like what I've seen from Van Rankin. And then we also coming off the bench or even someone who could start, um, in a pinch is Pablo Bonilla, who he's just kind of like a firecracker who's fun. And he, he also is kind of like Van Rankin and that he just kind of will push up the field randomly and will try a crazy cross or two. And, you know, that's the big thing with a geo with the kind of offense that geo wants to run is that he wants people, he wants his fullbacks to be able to come up and just on the wing and on the side and maybe play that long ball and those long crosses into the goal to find guys like Jabo and Mora and even Valeria occasionally. So I think so far it's a, they're still adjusting, but they're getting better. They're starting to kind of figure things out slowly, but surely. You know, when I look at the history of Sounders Timbers, I can't help, but be a little excited about the reintroduction of Freddie Montero into this side of the rivalry. Now he's been involved in the Cascadia cup a lot. I, I think he's the all-time leading scorer in Cascadia Cup history, he's got 14 goals uh, scoring against all three teams that are involved in in Cascadia. But it does feel like his real passion is uh, rooted in playing against the Timbers. How? Where does 
Freddie Montero rank in terms of all-time villains uh, as a Timbers fan looking at, you know, the Cascadia Cup or the Sounders? Oh, gosh. You know, when I first started covering the Timbers, I remember one of the, like, early games I covered. I think it was one of the Vancouver games. Or I think it was when he was in Vancouver. And he just is just um, – He's up there in terms of boogeymen. I'm not going to lie. He's, he's one of those ones. He's one of those uh, figures that kind of loom over. And, you know, I would say generally the last couple of years with how much our defense has struggled, any attacking player kind of can feel like a boogeyman at times, but like, especially someone like Freddie Montero, where it's just like, Oh, I don't really want to deal with that again on Sunday, but here we are. That's just soccer. It's the way it is. Will Timbers will have to figure it out like they usually do. Yeah, you know, we haven't seen him obviously play in rave green against the the Timbers since 2012, I guess. And uh, and I know that it, it always felt like he at that time, like in the pre Dempsey era, he was like public enemy number one. It, it seemed maybe him and Roger Levesque, I guess they always kind of competed. But Roger wasn't as as big of a of a featured player uh during the mls era and so that always seemed more of a a sideshow to me uh but anyway i i am looking forward to seeing freddie uh what's what would you say the perspective of this what's the attitude going into this game for for the timbers does it feel like a normal sounders timbers kind of get up for it or is this is it is it just slanted because it's the early season they're they're they've had so much else going on uh, like, how anticipated is this match? Um, I think it's anticipated just because anytime you play the Sounders, and if you're the Timbers, and anytime you play the Sounders, that's always just a big deal, no matter what. It's um, that's just a, a rivalry that naturally has some, you know, some verve to it, and it gets people excited um, here in Portland. I will say, I will admit that there has been probably, or at least it, the excitement for it, it feels a little bit muted because. It's not like we're, in, you know, it's the midst of the MLS season and we're getting like closer to playoffs and it's Sounders Timbers towards the top again. It's like, oh, this match actually really matters a ton. It's more of like, just like, okay, we're trying, we just got through Club America in the, and we lost on aggregate, but we pl- had to play our butts off just to even get to that result. Let's just, we just got to get through this week almost to a sense. I think we'll get a better sense of it probably later this week most likely on like friday or so when presumably the timbers hold some sort of media availability and they can actually like talk about it and like to an extent where they just don't have to be like right now we're focused on club america right now we're focused on club america so when they don't now that they're done with the ccl stuff now i think the excitement will build especially with like the recent like lifting of restrictions so that now fans can be there and like actually like cheer on to a sort of capacity so it's a it's certainly not quite as exciting right now but it's just early season and it's just been such a weird start to the year that I'm sure that it'll start to pick up as we get closer and closer to Sunday. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, the return to fans that in a normal year something that hasn't happened in well about a year and a half uh, (laughs) this weekend would basically be an enormous feature of Providence Park on two different broadcast networks, CBS on Saturday with the Thorns hosting Gotham and then ABC on Sunday for Timber Sounders. That should have been a huge celebration. Um, 
Now, if things change just enough down there in Oregon that y'all get some amount of fans, just talk about uh, what that's going to be like to be able to have uh, the limited capacity for fans back at Providence Park for the first time, uh, essentially for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, even like earlier this year when it was at about, you know, I think it was like 25% capacity or something like that. It got loud in there. I, I haven't been to a game in person in what feels like, I, I think, I don't even know how long I've had to cover most of it remotely, but so I haven't, I didn't get to experience what that felt like in person um, at the early games this year, but I know just from watching it on TV, like it still gets pretty loud there. Get, the Timbers army still gets pretty darn excited over on the North end. And like you saw, I don't know if you saw like in the, you know, when Mora hit the, penalty kick in the first club America match he's running off and he's screaming at the North end and he's like getting really excited with Merrick Paulson who's also at that goal. And it's just, you know, the excitement's still there. It's just still definitely very muted. It's one of those things where you're absolutely right. If this was as normal circumstances and it were safe to have um, a full capacity stadium for both of these events, both the thorns match and this upcoming timbers match, it would be one of the most like fun weekends of the year already. just like starting off in May, which would be pretty fantastic. Um, but, you know, it is something I'm excited to, you know, they figured out a way to be able to get, you know, some amount of fans in the stadium. And I think it'll give the Timbers and Thorns a boost. I know that they always say that they love the fans. Obviously there's not really any player that's like, Oh, I actually hate having fans in my own team there, but <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's still they, – they get really excited about having the Timbers Army, and I think it'll give them a, just a slight morale boost at the very least. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time the Sounders and Timbers played in Portland with fans was the Iron Front game where they had the 30-odd-minute uh, protest. And I don't think they've ever – I don't think the Sounders have played there when the new upper deck uh, was was open – uh, is that, is that open? That is open now. Or are they selling tickets up there during COVID? Like what's the, what is that? I, situation? Have, I, I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head if they're selling tickets up there. That was something I'd have to like look into, but gosh, the iron front thing, that feels like it was 20 yeah, years ago. I know that's, what's crazy about it. That is an insane thing to think about actually, the more I kind of ponder that, but it's been a long time that, I I want to I want to just see what happens on a Timbers game. All the Timbers games have been like pretty chippy for the most part, actually, to start the year, which has been an interesting thing. And they, we haven't even played like a our big rival like Seattle Sounders. Obviously, we played the Whitecaps, Cascadia rival technically, but even then, I I just I want to see what happens. I'm just really curious to see just like how the dy- dynamics at play um, on Sunday because just such a it, we're still in just very strange times, but you know, we're trying to get back to normal and there'll be some normality with like, even at 15% capacity or whatever it may be um, seeing Timbers fans and, you know, just yelling in the stadium. So I'm excited to see what'll happen. Yeah. It's, I know that it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I feel like this is, it's not going to be normal, but it's, it feels like it's getting closer to normal and that is itself exciting. Uh, I, I know that this is 
it's going to be, you know, I, I don't know that the, I don't think the Sounders and Timbers have ever played on ABC. I, I'm not even sure if the Sounders and Timbers have ever played each other on broadcast television. Um, trying to think about that, but this is, it's, it's, it's kind of a shame that this meeting couldn't be a little bit later, uh, but I guess we'll get, we'll get one more, I think in, yeah, we'll get one more in Portland this year. So hopefully by then we actually have, uh, we have, you know, hopefully we're, we're clearer of this, of this situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's it. Uh, Dave, did you have anything else? No, I think that's the, the main things that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's odd because Portland's uh, the, the timbers are, are one of the favorites in the West. And though they don't look like it up until this point, uh, I think all three of us know that they're, they're going to uh, be able to shift gears here shortly. It's just a matter of, uh, does that start Sunday or does that start after they get a little bit more rest? Uh, and then obviously the, the two attacking players that have been out for so long, um, once those are healthy, uh, everything shifts. Absolutely. Uh, well, Kyle, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you can, of course, read his stuff at Stumptown. Where else can people find you? Um, Stumptown footy for all Timbers coverage. You know, we're posting every day. We're getting stuff out. You know, we have a lot of great, we have a couple great writers there. We have me there who, you know, I'm around. I, I don't know if I call myself great, but I'm at least here doing stuff. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just check out Sometime Footy if you want um, good Timbers coverage, good Thorns coverage. Uh, we're always trying to pump stuff out. So yeah, come along. Come join us for the fun. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, I am Jeremiah O'Shan signing off on behalf of Dave Clark. This is the Sounder Heart Podcast, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>